0: Good morning. morning. Welcome once again. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. risen. Amen. Amen. What a glorious morning! I'm so glad to be here with everybody once again. uh, My name is Paul Letvin. One of two pastors here with Submerged Church, and we're just delighted to be celebrating this joyous occasion here with you at the historic South Pleasant Church. What a blessing it is to be here once again. Thank you to the uh, Bonanza staff. Uh, especially uh, Beth and Megan, who've been so inviting, so welcoming to let us use their building, and um, we're just delighted to be here. Uh, I'm going to start with just a quick little, uh, another quick little prayer, and we're going to get right into it. So if you'd please bow your heads with me again. Father, we give you this time. We pray that you would Let this story sink in a new way. We've all heard it so many times. It's so easy on Easter morning just to remember, yep, Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead. Lord, I pray that you'd make this real to us and that you would stir our hearts in a fresh way through the power of your resurrection and what that means. We just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the message today, this is the resurrection side of the cross, the resurrection side of the cross. And the big idea as we have already said he is risen, he is risen indeed. I'm going to read the scripture reading once again Matthew 16 verse 21 from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now, this was the first of at least three times that Jesus foretold his death and resurrection to the disciples. He, he, he told them three times. So we see it once here in Matthew 16, verse 21. We see it again in Matthew 17, verses 22 through 23. And then we see it again in Matthew chapter 20, verses 18 through 19. So my question is, why were the disciples so distraught and in despair and afraid and hiding after Jesus was crucified when he told them three times, at least, you know, that's, that's recorded, that this was going to happen to him? He, he, he told them. I'll, I'll, read, I'll read it from Matthew 18, sorry, 17, 22 through 23. As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. But then it says, and they were greatly distressed. Did they, did they miss the raised on the third day part? Kind of some selective hearing. Sometimes my kids have selective hearing. My mom said I had selective hearing. I hear the things I want to hear, and then when it's something I don't want to do, then, man, I have a hard time hearing those instructions. <laughs> It's easy for us to focus on the bad news instead of the good news, isn't it? I mean, we see that right here, the disciples. What? They're gonna gonna kill you? Oh, and raise me on the third day. Oh, didn't hear that part somehow. They're gonna kill you, Jesus? No. And they were just focused on that, weren't they? He told them three times. And yet they were still surprised. From your bulletin, the emphasis of the New Testament is on the death of the Lord Jesus, since by his death... He dealt with our sins and wrought out redemption for us. He took them far away, so far away that God cannot find them. Uh, there's two scriptures I like that enforce that point. You can write them down if you want. First is Psalm, or actually I think they're in your bulletin. Yep, Psalm 103, 11 and 12, which says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the west is from the east so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And then in Micah chapter 7, verse 19, he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You know how deep the sea is? It's so deep that scientists believe there's thousands of species that haven't even been discovered yet. That's how far God has removed our Sins from us. When the Savior died, life seemed to be extinct. The grave made fast its bars. The disciples were afraid. But if it wasn't for Jesus' resurrection, then our faith would be futile, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15 14 and 17. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. See, it's so important that we claim that promise. You know, most, most everyone believes that Jesus was a real person and at least a good teacher and that he died on the cross, but not everyone believes that he was raised. And it's so important that no, no other religious leader ever rose again from the dead. Buddha's dead, Marx is dead. Uh, you know, Nathan, Joseph Smith is dead. You know, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He's the only one who rose himself from the grave. The mighty conqueror strode forth alive. He was the firstfruits from among the dead. And we see that in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. What is the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? So why why is the resurrection of Jesus Christ so important for us? Well, there's three simple reasons today. If you're following along in your bulletin, there's just three blanks to fill in. So number one, why the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? The resurrection demonstrates his deity. The resurrection demonstrates his deity. So that's the first fill in, his deity, Deity. What? What is a deity or deity? Well, it's the rank or essential nature of a god. You know, proving, proving godhood, basically. And we can see that in Romans chapter one verse four, where it says this: uh, Christ was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. I have to compete with him at home as well for my wife's attention. <laughs> no difference. <laughs> so Romans 1.4, I'll read that again. Christ was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. When our Lord warned his disciples that he must die, they did not understand it like we talked about. Was he really, the son of God? When at last he was arrested, tried, condemned, crucified, the disciples were devastated. Pastor Jack uh, from Metropolitan Baptist gave a great Good Friday message that we went to uh, on Friday evening and and just said, yeah, put put yourself in their shoes. How they thought Jesus was going to be the king, he was going to take care of everything, he was going to conquer, and then it all ended... Five days later, when he was crucified, think how devastated they must have been. And for some reason, they just didn't remember him telling them he was going to rise, you know, raise from the dead on the third day. So instead of reigning over a kingdom on earth as they supposed he would, he had suffered the shame, the humiliation, the dishonor of crucifixion. How could he be the Son of God and allow men to kill him? You know, this is one of the biggest problems that Muslims have with the Christian faith. They're like, if Jesus was a prophet of God and he was killed, then that means God was defeated and God can't be defeated. So they say that, oh, it was an angel that did it. They, They just, they don't understand the power of who Jesus really was. How could he be the son of God and allow men to kill him? Might it be that he was not the Messiah, the Redeemer? These are things that the disciples might have been thinking about and pondering. But then... He arose, as the old hymn says. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. I just have to take advantage of these acoustics here. Amen. He arose. He arose. He lives. He comes forth again to ascend to the Father. And in his resurrection, he was powerfully declared the Son of God, establishing his deity. The resurrection proves Beyond a shadow of a doubt that, yes, indeed, he was the Son of God. A very important event in the Old Testament we're familiar with was the ejecting of Jonah by the great fish which had swallowed him up. This was a pointer to our Lord's resurrection, a sign of this momentous event. Even Jesus refers to that in Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 through 40, and he talks about the sign of Jonah that will be given. So it was the resurrection, listen to this, how people's lives were changed it was the resurrection which convinced mary in the garden which restored peter's confidence after his threefold denial which made thomas cry my lord and my god some people claim oh it doesn't say in the bible that jesus was god guess what thomas thomas said it my lord and my god which revived the hopes of the two despondent disciples who were going to Emmaus, which brought new hope to those who had gone back fishing and had caught nothing, and which convinced Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road, of whom I'm named after when he became Paul. Just amazing. So, the resurrection demonstrates his deity. Number two, the resurrection confirms... The efficacy of his death. The resurrection confirms the efficacy of his death. So that's the second blank, E-F-F-I-C-A-C-Y, efficacy of his death. What's that mean? Efficacy is the power to produce an effect. That's really all. It's it's efficient. It accomplishes what it's supposed to do. Uh, the, The power to produce an effect. Romans 4, 24 through 25 would would affirm this. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised him from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. For our justification. When the Lord Jesus died, anxious hearts may have inquired, he came, he died to save us, but how can we be sure that he succeeded? How do we know that what he did on the cross was what it was supposed to do. The Lord himself had foretold not only his death, but the purpose of it. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, to give his life as a ransom for many. In Mark 10, 45, that his blood was to be shed for the remission of sins. But how do we know for sure? Might he not have failed? Oh no, the resurrection proves that the purpose for which he died was accomplished. All claims were satisfied, all enemies were subdued, all the worst that hell could do against him was now a spent wind. The resurrection was God's evidence that our Lord had not died in vain. Because that purpose had been accomplished and full satisfaction for sins had been made, God raised him from the dead for our justification. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, 18, and 20 says this. 1 Corinthians 15, 17, 18, and 20. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. So believers, those of us here who know Jesus, who have accepted them, accepted him as their savior, we, we as believers are no longer in our sins, but are justified from all things. That's good news. Man, all the things I've done wrong, you sit and start listing things, the list never ends. And we've been justified. doesn't mean that we're perfect now. We still live in these uh, sinful bodies. We still fight the sinful nature. But, but we, we've, been just, we've been justified from, from all of our sins. Those who have died in the Lord already, so those who have gone on before us in the Lord and have already died, have not perished, but are safe. Home with the Lord. And that's... A wonderful promise and then lastly number three so we, we talked about the resurrection demonstrates his deity the resurrection confirms the efficacy of his death and now the third point and final point the resurrection completes his redemptive work so that third blank is redemptive the resurrection completes his redemptive work what does redemptive mean It's simply acting to save someone from error or evil. Acting to save someone from error or evil. That's that's what redemption or redemptive means. So the resurrection of our body is part of resurrection or uh, sorry, is part of redemption's fruit. So death, like the devil, is a conquering foe. We we know that. It, It will come and extend its hand to take down our crumbling clay homes, these bodies that we live in. Everyone here will die someday. It will consign the bodies of believers. This is what death does. It will consign the bodies of believers to a narrow cell and decay will do its work. But this body um, is only temporary. Although it's sin-soiled and cannot be taken to heaven, we're going to be given a, a, a new glorious body. So, so death's triumph over the body. So, so what, what seems to be a triumph when someone dies, it's, uh, it, it, seems like a, it seems like a real defeat, but it, it, it wounds only to heal. It means that the body will rise in fresher beauty. And brothers and sisters, that changed body, how glorious it will be. It shall shine brighter than the noonday sun. As it says in Philippians three twenty one who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. In Philippians 3.21. It will no longer be subject to natural laws, but will be liberated to soar in the spiritual realms. So these new bodies that we're going to get, they won't be subject to pain. We won't be getting sick. We won't even need to sleep. You know, the, the, you know G, there is no, you guys know Revelation says there is, there is no sun uh, in heaven because the light, the light, that comes from Jesus is all that we're going to need. You know, there won't be any more darkness, no more pain. Uh, it's going to be a glorious thing. We can, we can hardly conceive the glory of that resurrection body. As it says in 1 Corinthians 15:40. there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. So just think about that. E- even the sunrise this morning, you know, it was beautiful. You guys have seen sunrises. You've seen sunsets. You know, we, we've seen beauty in creation. We've seen beautiful people uh, that, that God has made. None of that compares to the, to the beauty that we are going to see when everything is restored, when he comes back to establish his heavenly kingdom. It's, it's going to be absolutely incredible. The trumpet will soon sound to call the bodies of believers to arise. As it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the fast trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. That's a great promise. I know you guys might laugh at this, and yeah, I just turned 40, and I'm starting to feel old, but ser- seriously, you know, I, I've been starting to get pain, you know, sciatic pains and other things, I'm like, man, so this is, this is what it's like. This is what everyone's been warning me. I yeah, see they're laughing, like, just wait another 10 years, Pastor Paul. Yeah. But our, our bodies are breaking down, are they not? You know, we, 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 we start getting older, and that, that's just what happens. But one day, we shall be changed, And we're going to have imperishable bodies. Amen. Amen. And that that is another benefit that we receive because of Jesus' resurrection. The resurrection completes his redemptive work. The Lord of life is at the door. This is part of the blessed gospel that we glory in resurrection hope. And before I close with a, uh, it's actually some words from a famous hymn. I, I do want to take a moment quickly. And I think I, I might have skipped a verse. Romans 6, 5, yep. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So that's the verse that supports this idea. The resurrection completes his redemptive work. So just as Jesus arose in a glorified body, we will as well. But before I close with uh, some words from a famous hymn, I, I do want to extend an invitation Far be it from me that I not offer an opportunity for people to accept the true meaning of this blessed morning, uh, that this, this is about eternity. And every person sitting in this room, I can look and assume and believe, yep, they've made that decision to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But has everyone done that? And some of us might think, well, yep, I'm a Christian. I've, I've always gone to church. My parents went to church. Uh, And as my co-pastor Bob says, uh, (laughs) going to church no more makes you a Christian than standing in a garage makes you a car. (laughs) Going to church no more makes you a Christian than standing in a garage makes you a car. Just because you show up at church doesn't mean you have a relationship with the God of the universe. So I want to invite everyone here, if you never have accepted Jesus as your Savior, and repented. You know, the, the, the true gospel, you know, we have a gospel out there that's being proclaimed that is a false gospel, that we're, we're all God's children. Jesus loves everybody. Let's just let everybody do whatever they want and God's going to love you. And uh, it's, it's simply not true. Yes, we're all made in the image of God. We all have value because we are human beings created in God's image no matter what your decisions are, but not everyone is a child of God. John 1, 12 says, yet to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You are not a child of God unless you have received Jesus as your savior. How else could Jesus have called the Pharisees sons of Satan? If you're a son of Satan, you must not be a child of God, right? These were the religious leaders. They were supposed to be setting the example, the political leaders, and they failed. They are more concerned about power and their appearance than they were about helping the people to walk godly lives. So I urge you, I encourage you, today is the day of salvation. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, if you haven't had that moment where you've said, Lord, I have sinned against you, I've made mistakes, and I cannot pay for those sins on my own, I accept what you did on the cross And I'm going to turn away from this sinful lifestyle. That's what it means to repent. You know, it it means to turn. It means you do a 180. It means you're going down a path of death and destruction like so many people in this nation are right now. And you say, no, I don't want to go down that path of death and destruction. I want to turn away from that. And I want to choose God's way instead, the way of the righteous. And Jesus said, the path is narrow and few will find it. If Jesus said that, are we all children of God? The path is narrow, and few will find it. Are you going to be one of those few that find that path? So I encourage you. Once again, I can assume everyone has that relationship with Jesus, but God knows your heart. I, I don't. Those of you sitting here who are firm in your salvation, I encourage you, sh- share. That's, that's what today is all about. Share this message with your, your friends, your neighbors. I've got family members that I've been praying for for years uh, to, to come to Christ, neighbors, friend, uh, friends, etc., uh, share, share this message with them. Share, share your story, how you became a Christian. I, I've got you guys know I've got those those tracks that has my my story on it, and then on the back it's got my business information. So anytime I exchange business cards with people, which I've been doing a lot more lately, going to certain meetings and places across the United States, etc., I give them like, "Yep, here's my business card." Oh. And there's my story, how I became a Christian. Hope you're blessed by it. You know. So then they've got my contact info, and um, so just encourage you, be sharing this good news. Uh, I can't remember who said it, but you know, we, we need we need to have, we need to look through life through eternal lenses, seeing people as eternal beings who are either going to hell or heaven, based on what they have done with what Jesus has done for them. So I encourage you, today is the day of salvation. If you haven't made that decision, do it today. So I'd like to close with the words, uh, this is from a famous hymn called One Day. It was written by John Wilbur Chapman. Uh, He lived 1859 to 1918. He was an American evangelist and pastor. I think this is his most famous hymn, but I'm just gonna read a few stanzas from it. One day they led him up Calvary's mountain, One day they nailed him to die on the tree. Suffering anguish, despised and rejected, bearing our sins, my redeemer is he. One day the grave could conceal him no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. Then he arose over death he had conquered. Now is ascended my Lord evermore. One day the trumpet will sound for his coming. One day the skies with his glories will shine. Wonderful day, my beloved ones, bringing glorious Savior. This Jesus is mine. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you for this time that we could be together. We thank you for your word, that it is true, that it is trustworthy. And even though there's times where we might not understand it as fully as we'd like to, we thank you that you've revealed yourself to us through your word. I pray that we would be students of your word. We would read it. We'd study it. We would memorize it. We'd meditate on it. Think about it, that we would obey it and apply it to our lives. Lord, I pray that we let your word change us. Even these words that we heard this morning out of Romans, out of 1 Corinthians, these great epistles that were written for our benefit. We thank you, Jesus, that your work on the cross was enough, that it was complete. We thank you that it proved your deity. We thank you for the efficacy of that work. We thank you that um, we know that you are the Son of God by what you did. We thank you that it completes your redemptive work in our lives and that one day we will be as you are, with glorious bodies that are no longer tainted by sin and subject to the pains of this cursed, fallen world, we look forward to that day when we will be restored. Lord, I pray for anyone here today who doesn't know you that today would be the day of salvation, that they would give their heart to you, they would repent, they'd turn away from their sins and decide to follow you and accept your free gift of salvation. Lord, for those of us who are in Christ, I pray you check our hearts. What? What are things that we're still struggling with that are robbing us from experiencing you to the fullest? Lord, I pray we'd turn away from these little sins in our lives that we would repent, Lord. Oh, Lord, this nation needs to turn back to you. And God, we know that judgment will begin in the house of God, as it says in 1 Peter. So, Lord, I pray right now you would search our hearts and we would turn them back to you and that there would be a great revival and spiritual awakening across this land. Lord, prepare our hearts for that. Prepare us to minister to those who are looking for the truth, who are looking for hope. What greater hope do we have than you, our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord? We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.